Hey everyone, welcome to the Three Graves Crime Drama Podcast. My name is Holly Yerberks, and I am the writer and producer. You can find the original music from the Cuckoos on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Music. Give us a follow at threegraves.com. I walked to the mailbox as Will loaded our luggage into the back of his truck. I was hoping my Shape magazine had arrived to have something to read during the drive to my father's house in Houston. I flipped through the stack of mail, stopping on a plain white envelope with a return address, Oklahoma State Penitentiary. You ready to go? Yep. What is that? It's a letter from Charlie Burton. It looks like a poem. The guy in prison? What does it say? A parrot shows the way to a secret room where she was locked away. A child bride with a prize inside. Her beauty seductive, his lust destructive. An honorable son carried her shame. God's forgiveness is not enough for the stain. A gray rock mountain marked her grave. The reckoning is here. A debt must be paid. Creepy. You okay? I'm feeling a little car sick. Let's stop with that Bucky's coming up. My father, Pastor Kevin McDonald, had begun his career as a pastor of a small Baptist church in Marble Falls. Three hours later... Will and I pulled into the driveway of his Tudor-style mansion in Lakewood. After my mother's death, he made a fresh start at a Baptist megachurch and had quickly advanced to the senior pastor position. He had remarried two years later to a sweet Southern belle named Bryn Rose. She doted on him and seemed to make him happy. Samantha, your hair looks beautiful. I always wanted to be a redhead. Brought you a bottle of wine. This looks fabulous. So handsome. I can't wait for you two to have a baby. I'll get the bags upstairs while you girls catch up. Let's open this up. Water's fine for me. I'm, I'm a little dehydrated from the long drive. go, sweetie. Kevin's still up at the church, but he'll be joining us after the service. How's Dad doing? Good. He's been a little stressed about money, but the new capital campaign raised over $2 million. Where are Drew and Sherry? They took the boys over to Lake Houston for a walk on the trail. Um, they should be back soon. Is that my baby girl? Hey, Dad. I'm so glad you and Will are here. My sermon on Sunday is all about you. What are you talking about? The importance of family in our broken world. I'm calling it the resurrection of the modern family. Oh, that sounds embarrassing. (laughs) It might be. 
I'm sharing some of your Easter photos. Tommy and the boys, too. Dad, I saw Tommy last week. He's got his own RV, and Vertical put out a new album. I hear you, Samantha. But you know I don't like the drugs, the drinking, and the tattoos. I don't go to church every Sunday. Paul went to jail for burglary. Paul's birth mother was a junkie. He never had the chance at a normal life. Tommy's making the same mistakes. Well, the good news is we have a dinner reservation at Karen's at 7. I know how much you love Indian food, Samantha. Why do you have to be so judgmental? Tommy's an amazing musician. Why don't you go upstairs and get ready for dinner? It would be nice to see you in a dress for once. Easter Sunday at my father's megachurch was standing room only. The multi-level amphitheater had seating for over 10,000 people. Folding chairs filled the aisles to accommodate the influx of keisters and the extended family of regular members. Will and I found an open pew near the front. My brother Drew, his wife Sherry, and their two adorable preteen boys, Cole and Braden, joined us. I spotted Bryn tottering in high heels and wearing a peach-colored satin dress next to my father and near the front row. After a rousing opening musical set that included a modern version of How Great Thou Art, my father, dressed in a blue suit and paisley tie, sat down on a stool center stage to preach. As he neared the end of his sermon, one of our family Easter pictures appeared on the two large flat screens. I couldn't have been more than two years old, my red hair and pigtails with purple bows that matched my ruffled gingham dress. I held Tommy's left hand. He held his drumsticks in the other. Drew and Paul looked like hostages stuffed into their stiff suits and ties, and they squinted in the early morning sun. I can promise you my kids weren't thinking about Jesus in this picture. They were thinking about chocolate bunnies and Easter egg hunts. But Easter for Jesus' family was much different. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Salome witnessed an earthquake so violent that the stone covering Jesus' sealed tomb rolled away. Imagine how frightened these women must have felt when they met the risen Jesus, who would send them to Galilee to spread the good news about his resurrection. Jesus sent his family to share his truth that we will have everlasting life. Our connected family of God also has the power to change the world with this message of hope and love. Amen. I stood in my father's guest bedroom and opened my suitcase to pack later that afternoon. The carved cherry sleigh bed Will and I had slept in sat on an oriental rug that probably cost more than my Honda Civic. My father appeared at the door. You and Will getting on the road today? I need to get back to work. Bryn's making you some cookies. Mm, that's sweet. I love this picture of Mom. 
When was this taken? That was before your adoption. A summer vacation in Corpus Christi. I miss her. I know, sweetie. I do, too. I saved some of her jewelry for you. Her emerald earrings. It would make me happy if you took them. N no, I, I couldn't. Listen, Dad. I feel like I'm, I'm always caught in the middle between you and Tommy. And I love both of you. Tommy chose the life he wanted, which did not include your mother and me. Why can't you give him another chance? He came to Mom's funeral. He was out running wild and getting high when your mother was dying. She didn't need that stress. He was young and stupid, all right? Everyone makes mistakes. Sammy, you can't save everyone. Tommy's never going to change. Tuesday morning, I received a call from Regina James at the crime lab. The DNA analysis of Casey's rape kit from 1988 had yielded new results and a hit in the national DNA database called CODIS. I rushed to the crime lab to pick up the results. I could barely contain my excitement when I sat down in Regina's office. She stood in front of a whiteboard and wrote a series of capital letters. She underlined the last four letters, which corresponded to T, G, A, and T. We reanalyzed Casey's rape kit from 1988 using mini-STR, and we found DNA from two different males. We also had a hit in CODIS. The database tracks 13 core short tandem repeats. A short tandem repeat is a small section of DNA that repeats throughout the chain. The T and G refer to thiamine and guanine base pairs? Yes, you know some biology. It was my minor at Baltimore State. So you make a bunch of copies of the STR to make it easier to detect. Exactly. Two of Burton's STRs matched the STRs found in Casey's rape kit, but they were on the Y chromosome. The data suggests the DNA came from one of Burton's male relatives. A brother or a son? His father's deceased, so most likely. We also had two unusual finds in the trace evidence. Take a look at these photos. This is from the microscope? Yes. Five juvenile bird feathers from Casey's bathrobe and a long gray hair with chemical processing. Could be a woman's. Can you match the feathers to a particular species? Not here, but there's a forensic ornithologist in Oregon who might be able to help you. I'll give you his contact information. The sheriff can't ignore this. What about analyzing the hair for DNA? I'll run it for you. Thank you so much. Another letter from Charlie Burton arrived in my mailbox Thursday. A second poem was scrawled next to the drawing of a skeleton in a coffin and a cross. I thought it was time for another visit to the sheriff's office. Detective Parra couldn't ignore the new DNA. Burton sent me another poem. A game we play called the hiding place. A poison wafer, it's not safe. So many angels, how will I choose? Your perfect innocence makes a vivid hue. The blood of Christ shed for you. Here, take a look at the drawing. This guy seems deranged. He's been locked up in prison for years, and he's got a pretty woman's attention. He's toying with you. What if it's a map to one of the girl's bodies? Don't you think you should be looking at the churches in Marble Falls? 
You have an overactive imagination. I found a key taped to the bottom of a birdcage from Burton's house. I think it opens a bank safe deposit box. I need your help. I've got five active drug investigations right now, Mrs. Cooper. Real cases. Check back with me in a month. News 7 anchor Kayla Rushing stood in front of the camera taping a live report outside the Marble Falls International School when I pulled into the parking lot. Yellow crime scene tape surrounded the colorful playscape. A backhoe took a bite into the soft mulch covering the playground. As the swath of dirt was lowered to the ground, I could see a human skull. Human remains were found on the Marble Falls International School playground today. The Sheriff's Department hasn't commented on the possible origins, but one of the area's most disturbing serial murder cases remains unsolved. Shut it down. We're good. Detective, could this be one of the missing girls from 1988? You know I can't comment on an active investigation. Will the FBI be joining the Sheriff's Department in this investigation? No comment. Vultures. Samantha, what are you doing here? Let me help you. I know a forensic anthropologist at Texas State. I had met Dr. Adam Harris three years ago when he had examined another skeleton from a sensational murder case in Austin. A local celebrity and respected author had decided to end his elderly mother's life a bit early and collect his inheritance. Unfortunately, a cadaver dog had detected his mother's remains under the concrete patio in his backyard. I joined Detective Parra in Dr. Harris's laboratory at Texas State University in San Marcos. Parra looked stressed. The sheriff's office was under new scrutiny for the 1988 cold case, and national news had picked up the story. The five-foot reconstructed skeleton was lying on a black laboratory table. The room was cold as a refrigerator. See, the size of the pelvis indicates an adolescent female. Based on the skeleton's length and open growth plates, I asked him if she was between 12, say 12 and 16 years old. I always carried my Sony Walkman with me on the bus. I liked listening to The Cure and the long ride home. The small bones in the foot and her knee joints are infused, so typical for an adolescent. I got off the school bus and started walking home. I didn't even hear the minivan until it pulled up next to me. He offered me a ride. The condition of the skull also reveals age. These zipper-like sutures on the crown disappear by the time we reach adulthood. If you notice here, there's a prominent fracture line, which means someone struck her in the back of her head with a heavy object. When your soul leaves your body, you float above it for a moment. I was wrapped in a pink bathrobe. He was shaving my head with an electric razor as blood leaked out of my forehead. Then he pulled out all my teeth with a pair of pliers. See, trauma marks on the bones can also tell us how the body was disposed of. You can see the jagged cut hair where a saw penetrated the bone. When he picked up the handsaw, I saw the light and felt it pulling me in. I never looked back. Someone cut her up? So yes, I'm afraid so. Deals tape there. Ah, Kara, your timing is perfect. Miss Romani is one of my PhD students. Kara, what are you working on for your research? Uh, forensic taphonomy. So we study what happens to a body between death and recovery. Yeah, Kara heads to the body farm in Knoxville, Tennessee for an internship next month. That's exciting. 
So I've been working on a photographic uh, superimposition of the skull from the grave using headshots of the girls. You can see based on the position of the eyes and the nose that Rachel's face doesn't quite match, but when we superimpose the skull on Sophia's face, everything lines up perfectly. Impressive. Thanks, Kara. Oh, I say, would it be possible for me to keep the skeleton? I like to share with my students. The family may want the remains for a proper burial. Her parents died in a car crash in 1992, Melanie told me. Oh, well, let me know. If you decide to run a DNA, we develop a bone marrow structure method that's fast and reliable. I'll send you a copy. Oh, oh, one more thing. I almost, I almost forgot. We found this silver cross mixed in with the bones. This mean anything to you, Samantha? Looks like a church confirmation cross. Kara looked white as a sheet as we walked out to the parking lot next to the Forensic Anthropology Building. We paused to talk by his truck. How'd you end up in Marble Falls? I got shot in a drug bust in Houston. My wife was tired of the late nights, and we've got two little girls. You still have that key to the safe deposit box? Yes, of course. Meet me at my office tomorrow at 10. Car and I entered the lobby of the First United Bank of Marble Falls. He flashed his badge at the perky customer service agent who greeted us at the door. We need to take a look at Charlie Burton's safe deposit box. Yes, Mr. Burton opened a box with us in 1987. Follow me. It's box 852. I'll give you some privacy. Oh, Dios. What is it? It's a braid of hair. It's the right color. Family photos? No, it's child pornography. Rush hour traffic was building on Mopac as I drove home from the Statesman, but nothing could dampen my good mood. Detective Parra had seen the light, and I felt for the first time that Casey, Sophia, and Rachel might find justice. I opened the front door to find Will wearing his new, magic virtual reality lightwear that resembled Welder's goggles crossed with cool sunglasses. He was waving his hands in the air, fighting an invisible enemy. Babe, I got the Magic Leap one today. It's so amazing, you've got to try it. What are you playing? A robot game. Dr. Grodbert's Invaders. Yeah, it's cool. It needs some improvement. Can I talk to you for a minute? Sure. I saw my OB-GYN for my annual checkup today. How'd it go? Great. But she recommended genetic testing before we start trying to get pregnant. Right now? Why not? You just swab your inner cheek. Easy enough. I called Tommy today. He's really sick with the flu. Oh, no. If you're okay with it, 
I'd like to drive down to Pasadena tomorrow. You want me to go with you? No, it's okay. Um, I'm only going to be staying for one night. How did you know I didn't have any food? You're a bachelor and a rock star. You're not supposed to have food. <laughs> How are you feeling? A little better. Tempo flu kicked in, I guess. You okay? You sound stressed over the phone. Yeah, work's been crazy. I'll cook. You relax. You have a big pot somewhere? Uh, also, I need a knife and cutting board. A drawer next to the sink. Your show was amazing. I really liked Blue October, too. We've been lucky to tour with it. It's helped our record sales. I know we haven't kept in touch this last few years. Hey, it's not your fault. I'm always on the road. Will and I visited Dad over Easter. I told him about your new album. I'm sure he was thrilled to hear that. What happened between you and Dad, anyway? He wanted me to get good grades, wear a suit, be like you. No, that shit's never gonna happen. Okay, my life's not perfect, Tommy. Will cheated on me with a woman from work. He said they were just friends, but I found text messages on his phone. Sorry. That's why I stay single. Tommy, Detective Power found child porn in a safe deposit box owned by Bernie. There was a picture of Casey. Do you know anything about that? I told you to leave this alone, Sammy. Jesus fucking Christ. There's smoke. Tommy, if you know something about Casey... Let's go for a drive. I need to clear my head. Hey, remember when me and Drew used to catch fireflies in the backyard? He's a football coach in Flower Mound. He's got two boys now. I know. I've been on the internet. You could have called him. I came to Mom's funeral. But you didn't talk to anyone. Yeah, because Dad didn't want me there. He was angry about Mom's cancer. That church in Lakewood is a cancer feeding his ego. He's always been an alpha male. You know that. Sammy, I didn't know about the pictures of Casey. I swear to God. 
with an asshole. Slow down. Just, just let him pass. Watch out! Sammy, wake up. We gotta get out of here. Hold on, Sammy. I've got you. <laughs> 